Welcome to Critical Thinking Required, hosted by LBW. Our goal is simple. We want to challenge you to think differently about finance and business. Join us and start the journey today. Welcome to Critical Thinking Required. You're with your hosts, myself, Tim Bickmore, and my two colleagues, Dan Weiss and Nathaniel Leach. And today we're going to talk about stock splits. I think this is going to be a fun one for our listeners. We always get questions when stocks are split or there's a reverse split, which we will get into the definition of that. Don't worry. So I'm just going to jump in and really start start us off. I'm going to actually ask Dan the question because he's always the one looking up definitions for certain things. So Dan, what is the actual definition of a stock split? Could you explain that to us? Sure, Tim. I'd be happy to. So a stock split is a decision by a company's board of directors to increase the number of shares that are outstanding by issuing more shares to current shareholders. A reverse stock split would be the opposite, where we're now actually taking shares and combining them into a smaller number of outstanding shares. So could you give us any like recent examples of some stock splits that have happened in the- I would love to. Okay, go ahead. So I'll, I'll give an example. Now, Nathaniel is not like my example because he says it rambles, but if it, if it, if it didn't ramble, it wouldn't be me. So we'll, I'll give we'll you- see. I'll, I'll give my example after you're done. And then Bye. we should have like a vote survey after this podcast. And then we'll see who has the better explanation. So to the, to the team that edits our podcast, if you can please create a poll afterwards, I want to see that too. <laughs> so uh, here's, here's mine. And then we'll hear Nathaniel's briefer one. And I, and I did recently use this and we'll use Apple, which, which made a lot of news a few weeks ago when they did a four to one, right? Uh, split, meaning that for every share of Apple you had, you got four. So uh, that part is that simple. Um, and so we, a good friend of, a good friend of mine, um, we were discussing this as it relates to Apple. And so I like to use pizza because I love pizza. Let's say that your child you have a pizza with eight slices in front of you and your child eats two of those eight slices. And now the next time you order pizza, they want more, but you don't really want to give that child more pizza. So instead of cutting it into triangles, like you did last time, you had the pizza, the pizza joint cut it into squares. So what they did is they actually made 32 squares as opposed to those two big triangle pieces. And in this case, your child eats eight squares. They're all the same size, let's say. I know that's not possible, but let's pretend. So they're all the same size and your child eats eight of them. Okay, did your child eat any more pizza than they did the first time? Nope, the answer is they did not. They consumed the same amount of pizza, but they probably went to bed happier because they thought they had more. That basically is what we're looking at with the stock split. It doesn't actually, which we'll get into, create more value. It changes the price, but at the end, you have the same. It just gets diced up a bit more. Nathaniel, let's hear your example. I'm happy to. All right. Let's say somebody gives you a dollar and then they exchange that dollar with you for four quarters. You have the same value. That's Apple's four for one stock split. That's all you got? That wasn't colorful at all. It doesn't have to be colorful. It just has to be simple and concise and to the point. That's how you do things. Tim, next question. For our listeners out there, that is how we do things. Next question, moderator. Yes, yes. um, I feel like I'm, I should never mind. I'm not going to make that joke. So we all knew where you were going with this. We're going to get back into it. So it's it's interesting. We obviously know the definition of a stock split now. 
we have a good idea of what happens. It looks like we're not really getting anything more as in Dan's pizza uh, example and Nathaniel's dollar example. But I'm going to throw this over to Nathaniel because he is our stock guru. Why does a stock split occur then if we're not going to get anything for it? What is the purpose of it? The purpose is to make the, the stock price more appetizing to other buyers, to retail buyers of that stock. That's basically it. it. So if there's a stock split, that means that the price is going to decrease by the amount that the shares have been increased. So if, for example, using the dollar example, I, instead of I, me having $1, I now have four quarters. The price has decreased from $1 to $0.25. Cents. That's essentially the situation. So that $0.25 cents makes it easier uh, for people to buy and sell. Uh, but that, that actually is no longer an issue anymore because uh, we're going to get to this a little bit later. But uh, the big custodians out there like Schwab and Fidelity are now allowing the trading of fractional shares. So this kind of kicks the idea, the whole concept of stock splits to the curb, in my opinion. But we'll get to that in more detail later. Could you give an example of what happens when there is a stock split and what happens to the price of the stock on the exchange for our listeners? Sure. Uh, using my, my dollar example, uh, let's say uh, there's a stock that's, sh that's selling for a dollar a share and there's 10, there's 10 shares out. For a four for one stock split, the price is going to decrease to $2.50 a share. And the number of shares is going to increase from 10 shares to 40 shares. So the value of that stock was $10 total. $1 times 10 shares equals $10. The, same, the value is the same, regardless of, of either situation. $1 a share times 10 shares, or 25 cents a share times 40 shares equals 10 bucks. It's the same value. It just makes it more appealing for other buyers if they want to get if they want to be able to purchase these shares it also increases the liquidity because there's now more shares out there for people to buy so liquidity does play a part in the public markets because if a stock has high liquidity then that increases the chances of it being included in an index in most cases that's that's one of the requirements for most uh securities to be included on an index is to have good liquidity. Doing a stock split also generates a good deal of buzz. Remember when Apple and Tesla announced their splits, their stock prices went crazy. I, I think that that was probably because some investors were miseducated and uh, not well-informed because they may have thought that, oh, a stock split, oh, that must mean there, means there's more value now. That's not the case. It's all a matter of perception. In the, in the case of a reverse split, the, the typical reasons for a reverse stock split is for that company to remain on the exchange because most exchanges have a price per share floor. Uh, it, in typical, most cases, it's, it's a dollar a share. So if a company's stock price uh, trades below a dollar a share for a certain period of time, depending on the, the particular exchange's rules, then they can be kicked off of the exchange, which is bad for that company because then their price 
could potentially go down because it's less easier to trade. It then might have to go to what's called the OTC markets, which means over the counter. It's much more illiquid. The, the value of the company could then go down. It also reduces uh, share volatility, uh, price volatility, as well as the number of shares traded, the liquidity, as I mentioned. So it, it's not necessarily a good thing, but it can also be a, uh, it can be a good thing because it may limit the number of owners, which can be beneficial to the company because then um, there could be insiders who control the company then and have a higher ownership. As a result, they're able to purchase those shares at lower prices than they would be able to on the more publicly traded exchanges, the bigger exchanges, and then be able to maybe uh, have more control and or potentially take the company private, which could be to the benefit of the company in general and to its shareholders. Of course, it can also be a bad thing because the management and, and or insiders are trying to bleed that company dry. So there, there's good and bad sides of that coin. And it, it is possible too that a company considers a reverse stock split in, to reduce volatility because they want to reduce or limit um, speculative traders when it comes to their stock. They want to make sure that they actually have investors, not traders at play where they can count on that capital being there so that they can run a business. Uh, and, and so when you have, when you have shares that obviously just have a higher price, you might have to think a little bit more before you just simply trade it. A good example of that would be, which this is an interesting example altogether because here's, here's an entity that does not do a split, but still finds a way to get more, market share out there for people to purchase up to include smaller prices. If we look at Berkshire Hathaway, where an A share trades at a little over $315,000 a share and a B share, right? So we're talking a whole nother class of shares, not a split there, uh, trades for about 205 a share, right? So if you have an A share of Berkshire at 315, you're probably most people not getting in and out of that simply because you have to come up with 315 to buy that share. So it, it does indeed help keep some of that speculative piece out. It, that was an excellent example. I can't remember. They did two stock splits actually in the B share class. I can't remember the reasoning behind the first one. I do remember the reasoning behind the second one. And the second one was because they bought Burlington Northern uh, Railroad. And as a part of the deal to do that, they were required to do that, that stock split, I believe, with the regulators. So... I don't think they did it willingly. I think that they wanted to just get the deal done and it worked out to their favor, in my opinion. And and just to clarify Dan's comment, which was a really good example, when he says 315, that's $315,000. Um, just to clarify, that's not $315. Yeah, thank you. You're welcome. Well, we, we just to make to... sure people understand how expensive it is. <laughs> yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep this over with you, Dan. So... Obviously, we kind of understand what the why stock splits happen, what are some of the reasonings behind it. But talking with a lot of our clients, what are some of the misconceptions that people have about stock splits? What are the reactions? You know, what would you say are the misconceptions of it that you see typically with our clientele or just people in general? I just think people just misunderstand what it really means. They think they think that they get more because they have more shares. And, uh, and I just, it's, you know, you, you, you focus on that. You don't think about, well, you have more shares, but 
the value of the entity hasn't changed, right? So once people, I think, understand that second part of the coin, a lot of those misconceptions, if, they, if they're able to retain that, go away. A stock split is not good nor bad. It's really, it's, it's neither. It, it doesn't create value. It just changes the price. So although in the short term, you might actually see, sorry, a change in price, and often you do simply because that hype is there. People, it gets people excited because of that misunderstanding. Um, you do indeed, you could see an influx of buyers simply because they're not buying the $315,000 share price um, um, of a Berkshire A class uh, so they can get in. So you, you, would, you would possibly see and, and often do a generation of cash that wasn't quite there. Now, that in itself could be good or bad, right? Because depending on what that entity has, if they don't have a usage for that cash and that cash is sitting there in excess of what they really want or should have, and they can't, they can't apply it, allocate it somewhere, that actually may, might hurt the company because they're not optimizing, right? We talk about that in a personal sense when we look at people individually as businesses, right? So um, I think it just really comes down to just a lack of education for a concept that really isn't that difficult probably to understand, but we only really hear about one side of the coin typically. Um, and that's what generates that, you know, it, it can be used to generate the buzz like Nathaniel said about, and maybe that's, that's what the intention is. And so you just, you just don't see the other side. Makes sense. And that's good to know that, you know, obviously just understanding what a stock split truly means and knowing that it's not necessarily creating or not creating value is, is really beneficial for, I think, a general investor. Um, Nathaniel, you mentioned it earlier in a little bit when it came to Schwab and Fidelity offering fractional shares when buying share counts. Could you talk a little bit about that and how that impacts stock splits a little bit further? Could you get into the weeds? Sure. Um, so through the advancement of technology, custodians are now able to offer the ability to purchase stocks in fractional share amounts. Uh, I I think this doesn't, I don't think this applies to all publicly traded stocks. I'm sure that there are limitations, but I can bet money that it applies to all of the big boys out there. So this levels the playing field for, this basically means that Apple doesn't have to do a stock split. You could buy a fractional amount of a, of a share of Apple and you wouldn't have to pay the full whatever it is today. Or, or in the case of, say, Amazon, they're trading over $3,000 a share, right? You wouldn't have to pay $3,000 for a share. Instead, you could buy, so let's say you only have 300 bucks. You could buy, buy a tenth of a share, and that's all. You only have 300 bucks, but you own a tenth of a share of Amazon, which is some very minute percent overall, but you still have ownership. It gives the retail investor, and by retail investor, I mean... Anybody who is not institutional, that is, we're, so we're institutional investors technically because we manage other people's monies, the, the big pensions out there, the other mutual funds that invest people's money, those are in, institutional investors. Retail investors are non-professionals. The Joe Smiths out there who invest their, their IRAs in their free time, for those types of retail investors, the fractional shares, uh, being able to purchase fractional shares can be quite beneficial. Because it can, in the example of Berkshire Hathaway, when Berkshire Hathaway was trading at 25 grand a share back in the early 90s, 
if you didn't have 25 grand in cash, you're shit out of luck. My, I'm going to add my, my, I think my only comment to this one. And I think fractional scares or fractional shares scares me because it means that more retail investors can get into the market and buy whatever company, which means that it could increase the volume of trade, which means it can increase the potential price and drive things up just because people can then have access to it where they may not have had access to it before. Similarly speaking, why maybe Berkshire has not done a stock split so certain people can't get into their stock price. Um, but also, I guess, cool for investors to be able to buy Amazon when they otherwise wouldn't have been able to. It's just opening up the breadth of people being able to trade on those stocks. I agree with you, Tim. I think it's scary. I think it's a flat out bad idea, but it's a sexy idea and it will definitely attract business to Schwab and Fidelity. And that's exactly what they want and others that will do it and others will do it. That's how that typically happens. They'll follow suit. But overall, I think it's unnecessary. I actually disagree. I think that this is a, a good thing for the small investor to take advantage because for investors, like when I was a kid and, and I was in it for the long term, I, I didn't have $25,000 to buy Berkshire Hathaway stock. I, if I had the chance to buy it, I would have taken it. And to be able to buy fractional share interest would be very appealing. However, I do agree with you both that it does increase the price volatility, be it good or bad. And you're, I will say that that is a Nathaniel as a 15-year-old looking to buy Berkshire who became a professional investor. I think a lot of the other Joe Smiths in the world may not be thinking the same way about buying companies like Nathaniel does. Just making oh, that yeah, yeah, There's very few of us, I, I have no doubt. But it gives us very few a chance. All right. So... Last comment to you, Dan. Do you see any short-term or long-term effects when it comes to stock splits or reverse stock splits? Short-term, yeah. I, I think I mentioned a little bit earlier, it very well is likely to, to change the price, better or worse. Most likely, in most cases, probably better. But it is also most likely short-lived. But really what it comes down to in the long-term no, typically speaking, we're going to see that hype fizzle and you're back to where you are. You just, you just have smaller pieces of it. I, I echo Dan's comments 100% that uh, in the short term, yeah, there's going to be noise, but that's, that's with long-term investing altogether. The short term is always noise. It's the long term that matters. It's how the company performs, not in terms of its stock price, but in terms of it creating value. That is what ultimately dictates the stock's price in the long run. I think we probably could start our final thoughts based off of Nathaniel's last comment. Uh, Dan, do you want to you want to start us off and give us your final thoughts about stock splits? Sure. Uh, a stock split is not good or bad. It's just a stock split. And if I may too, Nathaniel did talk again about his dollar being split up to four coins. However, if listeners paid attention, he did use the phrase appetizing. So I do think that my pizza got into his head, just for the record. You did. I don't think you could actually say that part. <laughs> I completely disagree with that statement. I just used it so people would better understand my metaphor. 
my my final thought. Oh man, I I think it might be. I'm curious on who's going to win this survey battle. Is really is really I think my final thought. Um, I don't have too much to add for stock splits. I think it's pretty straightforward. Like Dan said, they're not good, nor are they bad. I think they're strategic for different reasons in different ways for companies. They may be less strategic now with the fractional shares that one can get into. Be rational in your thinking when you hear about a stock split. It doesn't mean that the value changes, just the price does. Looks like we're all agreeing pretty much on our final thought uh, at the end of this podcast. We just want to take a minute to thank thank you, all of our listeners, for listening to three guys talk about their love for finance. Have a great night. Thank you for taking the time to start your journey of thinking differently and listening to LBW talk about stuff they love. Until next time. The opinions expressed in this program are for general informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual on any specific security, on any specific broker-dealer or custodian. It is only intended to provide education about the financial industry. To determine which investments, broker-dealer or custodian may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor prior to investing. Any past performance discussed during this program is no guarantee of future results. As always, please remember investing involves risk and possible loss of principal capital. Please seek advice from a licensed professional. All opinions expressed by podcast participants are solely their own and do not reflect the opinion of Leach, Bickmore, and Weiss Wealth Management, LLC. Leach, Bickmore, and Weiss Wealth Management, LLC is a registered investment advisor. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where Leach, Bickmore, and Weiss Wealth Management LLC and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. No advice may be rendered by Leach, Bickmore, and Weiss Wealth Management LLC unless a client service agreement is in place.